0: Alhamdulillah لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فقرن في بيوتكن ولا تبرجن تَبَرُّجَ الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ الأولى وأقبن الصلاة وآتين الزكاة وأطعن الله ورسوله إنما يريد الله ليذهب عنكم الرجس أهل البيت ويطهركم تطهيرا فقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أحب الله لما يرضوكم من نعمه (laughs) وَأَحِبُّونِي بِحُبِّ اللَّهِ أَهْلَ بَيْتِي أَوْ كَمَا قَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى Most respected alumni brothers and elders, brothers and sisters, one very concise hadith of Rasulullah was recited. And this gives us a very clear direction, very clear guidance in terms of what should be in our heart, what love should be in there, who should we love. This is a direction and a guidance that Rasulullah is giving us. There are three statements in this Hadith Sharif, three categories three aspects that Nabi s.a.w. has commanded us with and has also given us some motivation of why we should adopt what he is asking us to do. The three things that Nabi s.a.w. mentions in this Hadith Sharif is, first is, Ahibbullah lima yaghdhukum min ni'ami due to the bounties that He shows upon you. And then وَأَحِبُّونِي بِحُبِّ اللَّهِ And then love me due to your love for Allah Ta'ala. If you love Allah Ta'ala then you will certainly love me. And the third aspect Nabi Salaam mentions is وَأَحِبُّ أَهَلَ بَيْتِي biḥubbī that love my family out of your love for me. Otherwise, if you love me, then you will love my family also. So just to now analyze these three aspects that have been mentioned in this Hadith Sharif and try to make that effort to then bring this in our lives. The first that Nabi Islam says to us is that love Allah Ta'ala. the love for Allah Ta'ala is the most fundamental thing in a human being's life but the person who doesn't know Allah Ta'ala, what can we say about him but a mukmin, somebody who has brought iman on Allah Ta'ala, then there is nothing that can precede this love for Allah Ta'ala. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبَّا لِلَّهِ Allah Ta'ala says that those who truly have Iman, those who truly have Iman, then their love for Allah Ta'ala is above everything. Nothing else becomes, or nothing can become an obstacle in this path. Nothing can prevent them from that which will acquire the love of Allah Ta'ala. Nothing can divert them from this. And we know what love is all about that love drives a person and a person has love for something somebody has love for wealth then that love drives him. morning or evening come sunshine or hailstones whether it is business hours or after hours as one person gave his son some advice which is something to ponder about whether this is the kind of advice we should be giving our children Says to him that, come what may, eight to five, you must be in the business. Five that much is something that we can probably work around. Says eight to five, you must be in your business. And between eight and five, and between five and eight, your heart must be in the business. So eight to five, you must also be physically there. But now obviously you're going to close up, you can't remain there 24 hours. Then between 5 and 8 your heart must still be there, your mind must still be there. So are we created for nothing else but business? Are we created for nothing else but dunya? Whereas the correct advice is that in the normal business hours then you attend to business then you do what you have to do but don't put your heart into that business. Your heart would Allah Ta'ala. And between 5 and 8 the next morning then you dedicate yourself to Allah Ta'ala in that will be included taking care of your family's needs giving them some good quality time and sharing the advices of deen with them some taaleem with them because all this will bring you back to this first point of loving Allah Ta'ala. So that is beyond everything in dunya that is beyond everything in the life of a mu'min the love of Allah Ta'ala but then Nabi s.a.w. gives us who well are on our level in principle, the love of Allah Ta'ala is that He is our creator, He is our sustainer, He is our nourisher. So the same thing Nabi Wasallam mentions, that if you cannot understand this, then understand it from this perspective, that لِمَا يَغْظُوكُم min ni'ami, That the bounties that Allah Ta'ala shows upon you constantly, that alone should motivate you to love Him alone. How many bounties? Countless. Person can never count, forget all the bounties, can't count the the benefits of even one ni'mat of Allah. Ta'ala. If you try to enumerate and count the benefits and bounties and blessings that Allah Ta'ala shows upon you, even in one ni'mat, you can never fulfill that alone. You can never count that alone. The ni'mat of the eye. Can a person imagine what a ni'mat, what a bounty? He should. Imagine himself having lost his sight for a day, and think about it from morning till evening. By the time a person normally would open his eyes, now he can't open it, or he opens it, but there's nothing that he can see. How does he now conduct his day? If he has to open his eyes and still cannot see anything, the first thing he'll have a problem is how to go and relieve himself. And how to do the most basic things in life he'll have a problem. And he'll have this dark world that he'll be living in. So if he only look at the ni'mat of the eye alone, his whole day and night is revolving around how he uses his eye. But when a person doesn't focus on this great ni'mat, what a great bounty this is from Allah Ta'ala. It's not mine, doesn't belong to me. It's an amanat and a trust from Allah Ta'ala. When a person doesn't have this in mind, now what he does is, now he uses that eyes for anything and everything whatever Allah ta'ala has forbidden that too the eye is now being used to look at haram, to cast lustful glances He's looking at all kinds of filth on his phone sitting on the internet and whatever Allah Ta'ala has forbidden now this eye this great ni'mat of the eye this bounty of the eye this eye which is such a great gift from Allah Ta'ala now it is being used rather abused but for how long? Allah Ta'ala says, fu'ad, Verily the hearing, the sight, the heart of a person, everything he will be questioned for the day of Tiamat. How did he use his ears? What did he listen to? How did he use his eyes? What did he look at? He thought nobody else was looking? Is Allah Ta'ala not looking? Is Allah Ta'ala not aware? So in any case, this is one one ni'mat. Something that really is at the top of everybody's mind at the moment. The ni'mat of water. Now that we are suffering a drought, many places are getting two hours of water a day. Some places are getting four hours of water a day. And now this great ni'mat of Allah Ta'ala, we are beginning to open our eyes to the value of this ni'mat. Whereas every drop, whether the water is flowing freely, whether the rains are coming in abundance, but that drop is still a great gift from Allah, Taala. not a single drop should be wasted. But unfortunately, how we go about water, using water, person making wudu, so the wudu that Nabi Salaam used to make wudu in approximately three quarters of a liter of water three quarters of a liter of water was the amount of water that we used for one wudu. and it was just under five liters for a ghusl and now we calculate what amount we use for one wudu. many people can take a bath in that amount of water and then how much we use for one ghusl one bath that Allah alone knows like a river flows now is this the way that this ni'mat should be appreciated, should be used. And this is just one example, in everything else, now that this rain has been withheld, and these things get withheld when it is abused. These occurrences that happen are not haphazard. Scientists will tell us, well this happened and that happened, but if you ask the scientist, but why did that happen? Say, well there isn't enough whatever The whole process that happens of uh, the water vapor rising and whatever else. Say, but why didn't it rise? Why wasn't there enough of that process that happened? Say, well, that we can't tell you. But behind all that is the command of Allah Ta'ala. Behind everything is the command of Allah Ta'ala. When Allah Ta'ala withholds it, then nobody can bring it down. And among the things in the Hadith Sharif it is mentioned that when people will withhold their zakat, I will not discharge their zakat properly. And Allah Taala says, "I will not send down even a drop of rain." And if it was not for the, I will not send down the rains. And had it not been for the animals and creatures, I wouldn't even have sent one drop down. So these are things we have to get conscious of. Are we discharging our zakat correctly? One is discharging it, giving something, but how much are we giving? Have you correctly calculated what the zakat amount is? What we are liable for? And then giving it to those who are eligible for it. Not haphazardly just giving it anywhere. But giving it to those who are entitled to receive it. Then the zakat is discharged and fulfilled. So this is only one aspect. Besides that sins in general. When sins are committed, especially open sins then this brings down the wrath of Allah Ta'ala. It comes in various forms, whatever form. And among the forms of the wrath of Allah Ta'ala is doubt. It's among the forms of the wrath of Allah Ta'ala. And therefore we have to turn sincerely to istighfar, excessive istighfar, and sincere tawbah and repentance to Allah Ta'ala. And giving up the life of sin, and coming back to Allah Ta'ala. This is something that every single person has to turn to, sincere istighfar from the depths of our heart and beg Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness come back to him in all sincerity this is the way we will bring back the nāma of Allah Ta'ala Nuh Ali said to his people rabbakum innahu kāna ghaffara." that sincerely repent make istighfar to Allah Ta'ala Allah Ta'ala is most forgiving what will be the end result of your sincere repentance the first thing he mentions is the Quran Sharif. Gives us this detail. يُرُسِلِ Sama Alikum midrara Allah Ta'ala will shower down the rains of Rahmat. Your sincere repentance, the first end result. Come back to Allah Ta'ala, the first end result. But when will this come? These conditions prevail on the... What is the condition of the majority of the Ummads, The majority of the Muslims in the Umad. What are the A'mal of the majority? If the majority come on Toba, the majority come on sincere istighfar, come on to a life of righteousness, then good conditions will prevail. But if the overwhelming majority are on the opposite end, there might be some pockets of piety in a person's life itself, each person doing something, but the bulk of his life is in another direction, or the bulk of the ummah is in another line, then that is a major disaster. That brings down the wrath of Allah Ta'ala on everybody in dunya. So this is the first aspect mentioned in this Hadith Sharif that أحب الله لما يغذوكم من Love Allah Ta'ala due to the innumerable bounties and favors that Allah Ta'ala showers down upon you every moment and a person should sh- sit and ponder over this all the bounties Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with our physical bounties, our eyes, our ears, our tongue imagine a person cannot speak what becomes his condition but how we abuse his tongue how much of غيبت how much of filthy and dirty talk and that becomes like a joke how much of vulgar languages all kinds of vulgar words is this the tongue of a mu'min and many a times then a person will be bringing back this kind of news that is non-muslim colleague at work his non-muslim co-worker is asking him that is this what islam teaches you that every time that somebody does something that you must make some mistake It must come down upon him like a ton of bricks with all kinds of vulgar words. Is this the teaching of Islam? Is this the Dawat that we are giving towards Islam in our business places? Whereas the business place is a place primarily of Dawat. And that Dawat will be our practical Dawat. How we deal, what kind of honesty, what kind of good akhlaq we deal with. Whether it is with the customer, whether it is with the supplier, whether it is with the worker. So in any case, all the na'mats of Allah Taala, the tongue, our mind and heart. What do we think with it? What kind of thoughts we deliberately give place to? What kind of thoughts we allow to enter this heart? Is it the great good thoughts? Is it the thoughts of pondering over the naamaz of Allah Taala and getting closer to Him? The thoughts of how to be an asset to insan, to mankind in general? Oh, is it all kinds of haram fantasizing? All kinds of filth that we have seen somewhere. So these are all the na'mats and bounties of Allah. We should be sitting and pondering, what a great gift. If I was deprived of this, this heart, one little flutter of that heart and I have an attack, what becomes my condition? And then all the other bounties, the bounties of food, the bounties of water, the bounty of a shelter, the bounty of every single thing. Sheikh Saadi, Rahmatullahi he says on every breath on every breath there should be two shukar, two expressions of shukar and gratitude to Allah because if a person doesn't manage to breathe in he cannot breathe in then that will be death when he was able to breathe that requires he must be he must make sugar to Allah and then if the breath went in but he cannot exhale he cannot breathe out. Then it will be death. So he took one breath in that deserves sugar, and now he managed to breathe out that deserves sugar. Every breath deserves two sugar, and to express that sugar, he needs to breathe. So this will continue till infinity, till his life is dead. till he has life. So how much sugar we should be making? And the real sugar is that we use these bounties in accordance with the command of Allah Taala. Then that is shukr. Expressing verbal shukr is also required. And using those bounties correctly, that is the real shukr. So in any case, this was the first aspect in this hadith sharif. That love Allah Ta'ala due to the bounties that He showers upon you. Then the second part in the hadith sharif, Nabi Salaam awesome says, وَأَحِبُّونِي bi That love me due to your love for Allah Ta'ala. If a person loves Allah, Ta'ala, he will love the Nabi of Allah. He will love Rasulullah. Because Rasulullah is the most beloved of Allah. So a person, one is his friend, but his friend is also his friend's friend. person knows somebody very well, it is a close friend. And he goes to visit his friend someday. So somebody else is sitting there. This is just by way of example. Somebody else is sitting there. And now who is his very close friend? He says to him, this person sitting here is also my very close friend. What happens? This creates a natural bond. If this is my friend's friend, then he's my friend also. So if the beloved of Allah Ta'ala is our beloved, so Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam will be the most beloved to a mu'min. The Nabi of Allah Taala is more closer to the believers than their own selves so nabi sallallahu alaihi was saying love me due to your love for allah taala but what is the dictate of that love the dictate of that love is complete adherence to the way of rasulullah sallallahu wa following nabi sallallahu making ittiba of his sunnah that is the dictate of this love and shunning the ways of his enemies staying far away from the ways of his enemies Because just as a person's friend's friend is his friend, his friend's enemy is his enemy. A person has two friends. His two friends are his friend and his friend's friend. And he has two enemies. One is his own enemy, but also his friend's enemy is his enemy. So those who are the enemies of Rasulullah. Those who have their every way of life is in opposition to his Mubarak way of life. So a Mu'min, somebody who loves Rasulullah sallallahu will have nothing to do with their way of life. The ways of the Yahud and Nasara, the ways of those who oppose Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi their way of life in whether it is the way of how they go about their business, how they go about their marriages, how they go about their dressing, that filthy way of dressing which leaves hayah torn into pieces, hayah and shame, there's no, no name left of hayah and shame. That tight footing garments which reveal the body and which unfortunately has become the norm in Muslim homes as well. That kind of dressing, unfortunately, which many, not everyone obviously, but many mothers and sisters adopt, which even 25, 30, 40 years ago disbelieving woman also would not have adopted because of that level of shame that was there even in them that time now they've gone far beyond beyond imagination but now our community has come to that level that which they wouldn't have adopted 50 years ago so a person who loves Rasulullah loves his way of life that way of life which is filled with Haya with modesty, with shame that life of simplicity that life of compassion and kindness. That life where dunya is not the be all and end all. But the focus of a person's life is akhirat. The hereafter. So he will adopt the way of Rasulullah. This is his way of life now. Because he loves Nabi. Sallam, he loves the way of Rasulullah. And he opposes the way of those who are the opposition of Rasulullah. So this is the second part of this hadith, Sharif. When Nabi SAW says, love me due to your love for Allah Ta'ala. If you love Allah Ta'ala, you'll love me. And if you love Rasulullah we'll love his way of life. And we'll follow his way of life. And we will stay far away from the way of those who are his enemies. And that is the real boycott. The real boycott is to boycott the way of life of those who are in opposition to Rasulullah That is the real boycott. So this is a topic on its own, but just to get to the last part of this Hadith Sharif, when Nabi says, وَاحِبُّ That love my family due to your love for me. The love for the Ahle Bayt, the household and the family of Rasulullah This too is a part of the Iman of a Mu'min. If he doesn't have love for the family of Rasulullah and his iman is highly deficient, his iman cannot be complete. In one hadith, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says that Tarak'tu fikum there are two weighty things, very important things, things of great importance that I have left with you. One is Kitab Allah, the book of Allah wa Ta'ala. And in the book of Allah Ta'ala comes the way of life of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, which in another hadith, Nabi Sallallahu says. Separately, Kitab Allahi wa Sunnati, I've left my, the Qur'an and my Sunnah, my way of life. But in this particular hadith, Nabi S.A.W.S. says, one is the book of Allah Ta'ala and the other is Wa Ahla Bayti. My family, their importance to you is very great. Uzakkirukum Allahu fi Ahli Baiti. I remind you about being careful with regards to my family members. This is a part of every Mu'min's Iman. But then there's another aspect to understand very carefully on this. That who are the ahl bayt Now there are some people who believe the ahl bayt are about half a dozen people only. Full stop. Everybody else is excluded. And they create an imaginary fight. Because it's just in the imagination. An imaginary fight Based on some fabricated historical reports between the Ahle Bayt and the Sahaba in general, whereas there wasn't any love greater than the love that the Sahaba had in general for the Ahle Bayt, and there are so many incidents in the Hadis that explain this, and there are so many incidents in their lives that show the love and bond that they shared, even if they differed in certain aspects. There was a difference of opinion on certain issues, despite that their hearts were united and their love was complete. So first is to understand is that who are the Ahl Bayt? The Ahl Bayt are the family, the household of Rasulullah, his daughters, his grandchildren. Together with them, part of the Ahl Bayt are none other than the wives of Rasulullah, who have been described as his Ahl Bayt in the Quran Sharif Allah Taala addresses the azwaj mutaharad, the noble wives of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, ya nisa an nabi, la ka ahadim min al nisa, or the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You are not like ordinary women You have a very high position. In taqiyun, فلا تخدعنا بالقول، فيتمع الذي في قلبه مرض. وقلنا قولا معروفا، وقرنا في بيوتكن. وَلَا تَبَرْرَّجْنَ تَبَرُّجَ الْجَاهِلِيَةِ الْأُولَىٰ وَأَقِنَّا الصَّلَاءِ وَآتِينَ الزَّكَاءِ وَأَطِعْنَا اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ Time doesn't allow for us to go into the details of all these aspects that are addressed to the Azwadi Mutahharat. Allah Ta'ala gives them all these things that you should be doing A, B, C, D. This is your rank. And then Allah Ta'ala says, إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ الْيُدْهِبَ عَنكُمُ الرِّجْسَ أَهَلَ الْ Allah Ta'ala wishes to purify you, O people of the household of Rasulullah. Azwadi mutahharat, are being addressed. Allah Ta'ala says, You are the household of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah Ta'ala wishes to purify you. And then further Allah Ta'ala keeps addressing them. So, included in the Ahlul Bayt are the Azwadi mutahharat. Hazrat Aisha Siddiqa Allah ta'ala. Anha Hazrat Hafsa Hazrat Maymunah Hazrat Safiya and all the others who are مطهرات، Hazrat Khadijah Kubra رضي is all the أهل bayt as well. And the love that the Sahaba had with the أهل bayt This is something that is glaring in the أحاديث. Once Hazrat Umar in his time, in his Khilafat, he comes up to Hazrat Ali and he says to him that I'm proposing marriage to your daughter Umm Kulthum now who is proposing marriage? Hazrat Umar to whose daughter? To the daughter of Hazrat Ali now sometimes there's a very prominent person, prominent person and then he has a son so now the son is sometimes respected due to the prominence of the father. But the prominence of the father doesn't necessarily make the son anything. Doesn't necessarily, though sometimes in that lineage things just run along. And in any case with that association there will be many good things that will pass on. But the prominence and the nobility of the father doesn't naturally make the son anything. Because the father had no choice in who what his son will become. Who guide him? But who becomes his son? That is not in his choice. But his son-in-law, the person who chooses somebody as his son-in-law, he doesn't take a chance. When he's choosing somebody as a son-in-law, he really makes sure he's making the right choice. So here is the aspect of a son-in-law. Now, Hazrat Ali radiAllahu is being presented this proposal to become his son-in-law. So, does a person just take a chance in this? No, he doesn't take a chance. Maybe somebody else in Dunya, but a person of the caliph of Ali radi ta'ala, Fatih who that door of Khaibar which 40 people couldn't carry, he broke it with his own hands. Person of that strength, person who Nabi Wasallam gave such glad tidings to, would he be afraid of anyone? The long and short of it is, Eventually he accepted this proposal. First he said, "You know, I had intended to get my daughter married to the son of my cousin Jafar Al Umar says, "Look, I don't think anybody will appreciate her nobility more than I will. Please get her married to me." Anirlah accepts this proposal, and this nikah takes place. Now what does this show us and what does it highlight? It highlights the bond and the love that existed between these two personalities. That had there been any kind of malice in their hearts, any kind of enmity, any kind of ill feeling, would it be ever possible Hazrat Ali would accept Hazrat Umar to become his own son in law? So, this is only one example out of many that where the Sahaba Ikram, the way they conducted themselves, makes it abundantly clear that even if they had a difference of opinion on certain issues that was purely on an academic level even if they had to debate it vigorously and even if each one stood for his what he regarded as the truth but in the heart there was no malice for each other in the heart there was love for one another and that is a lesson we need to learn that is a lesson that we need to learn that sometimes on the most trivial of issues that issue is very, very trivial, but the hearts become totally shattered and filled with every kind of malice, and filled with every kind of hatred, and years of friendship get broken, and family ties become estranged on the most trivial of issues, let alone any kind of serious difference of opinion. This is a lesson we have to learn from this Sahaba Iqram, that to keep the heart clean, this is the Sunnah of Rasulullah Wasallam said to us, On one occasion, Ya O my beloved son, in Tumsiya, Oh my beloved son, morning or evening, keep your heart clean, totally clean of malice, any ill feeling. They are all insan, they are all human beings. Nobody is perfect, nobody is without fault, nobody is sinless everybody has their weaknesses others have their weaknesses we have ours others make mistakes we also make mistakes but a true mu'min and a true follower a lover of Rasulullah is somebody who has his heart like the heart that Nabi Islam wants us to have and Nabi Islam is saying to us with such love O my beloved son keep your heart clean of malice day or night morning or evening why? inna ذَٰلِكَ min sunnati. That is my way of life. That is my sunnat. My heart is forever clean. And what was not done to Rasulullah How many abused him? How many people persecuted him? How many hurt his family members? When he was in Makkah Mukarrama, the persecution that continued. When he came to Madina Munawwarah, then to the constant threats and constant attacks. But in all that, his heart is filled with love for everyone when he is being now immersed in Ohad, he is being hurt he is being injured and then too Allahumma haddi qawmi fa innahum la ya'lamun Ya Allah, you guide my people, they don't know they don't know what they are doing have mercy on them, guide them that was a love speaking so this is that love that Nabi Islam is teaching us have your heart clean and despite whatever was done to him he is saying my heart is always clean I always keep it clean no malice for anyone no ill feeling for anyone and then further Nabi Islam says and the one who loves my sunnah he will be with me in jannah. can you imagine the link keeping the heart clean of malice and together with the other aspects of deen obviously but this is such a highlight that a person together with the other aspects of deen keeps his heart clean of malice then he is getting a ticket to Jannah with Rasulullah. Now, this is part of that second portion of the Hadith Sharif. Love me out of the love for Allah. Tala. Then you will love my way of life. You will love to have the heart that I am asking you to have. You will love to follow my footsteps. This is what the B.S. will is saying to us. So, this is a very concise Hadith Sharif, but which gives us volumes an ocean of knowledge. That love Allah Ta'ala, and why not? Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with everything. So our love and allegiance and loyalty should be to Allah Ta'ala alone. In every aspect of life. Allah Ta'ala first. And loving Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam due to the love for Allah wa Ta'ala, and that requires loving His way of life. Following His Mubarak Sunnah. Following His way of life. And loving His family members, this includes loving His entire household. And this brings in along with it The extended household of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam All the sahaba Ikiram In the various ahadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam warns Against having any ill feeling for the Sahaba And to one, one, one hadith to this extent Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says إِذَا ala When you hear somebody abusing my Sahaba Then curse him Curse him, say la'anatullahi ala sharrikum, may the curse of Allah be on your evil. But the Sahaba are the guiding stars that Nabi Isaasun left behind. So a mu'min will love Rasool Allah love Allah wa ta'ala, he'll love Rasulullah sallallahu Alaihi wa sallam, he love the Ahle Bayt, included in them is the Azwaj al-Mutahharat, and he will love the Sahaba Ikram in general, and in this way Inshallah, his dunya also will get made. Allah Ta'ala will give him a direct ticket to Jannet as well. Allah Ta'ala give us a tawfeeq. Wa akhiru da'wanu ane. Alhamdulillah.